0: to Wargaming Recon. I am your current host, Joshua Shoebridge, the Australian who has taken over the American podcast, yet I'm interviewing a friend of the show who is in America, uh, Bob Yates. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Joshua. It's good to be here. No, thank, thank you for taking the time out of your evening, uh, my morning, uh, <laughs> to uh, just take take a chance to have a chat with the show um so you've been a, f- a follower of the show for some time i believe is that correct
1: yeah so I've, I've known uh joshua for or jonathan for oh gosh a couple of years now probably i i kind of forget as you run into folks at conventions you you see them you maybe have a drink or two and you see them again the next year and you forget how many years it's been
0: no especially with the gap between conventions now with COVID and everything like that
1: oh yeah it's like i have this giant oh that was just last year oh no actually that was three years ago now
0: (laughs) i I had that i actually had that the other day we were so the uh, largest gaming convention in australia is called cancon and it happens in canberra which is only a few hours drive from my house and i was talking to a mate of mine who i usually get we usually road trip up together and we go, oh yeah, the, last year? No, no, it was 2019. <laughs> but, oh, I feel sad now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's been weird. I'm looking forward to we're we're I'm hopeful. We have one, uh, not the one that I met uh, Jonathan at, but we have one coming up here in in November. that will be the first in person one that I will have done, and gosh, at that point it will be over 18 months.
0: Oh wow. So what convention is that that you're going to?
1: It's a, one called Carnage. It's located in the, the state of Vermont in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's a regional one. It's been going on – I've lost track of how many years. I've been going, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, it's great fun. It's very low-key because in Vermont you can – get a beer at the bar and walk over to your gaming table and sit at the gaming table and drink your beer, which you can't do in the state that I live in, which is Massachusetts. So I enjoy that convention a lot.
0: (laughs) So uh, the question has to be asked, the more beers you have, are you better at the game you're playing? I think that I
1: enjoy the game more, whether I'm better at it is I suspect (laughs) the subjective determination you'd have to ask the people I am playing with probably.
0: Well, that's true. Oh, that's true. And and that'd be quite hard to do because I believe you've been gaming now for like 30 years. Uh, Am I correct in that or more 40 than Forty and change, but who's counting? Uh, well, how about even a brief history of your gaming career?
1: <laughs> sure. I got started in this. Oddly enough, I, I was at a yard sale and this is in Uh, and I hate to admit how long ago this was, but I just said 40 years, so I guess I can. This would have been 72 or 73, and I bought two board games by the Avalon Hill Company. Uh, That was Gettysburg and Battle of the Bulge, which I then promptly played to death and uh, got into lots of other things over the years. In high school, I started playing role-playing games. So a few years later, I discovered thing, this, this thing called D&D. Played with a bunch of friends in high school, and the, the primary thing that I remember from that is we generally speaking killed each other. <laughs> there was always somebody in the party who wanted to be evil, <laughs> and so we spent most of our <laughs> playing time basically walking down the halls. Tur- I turn around and look at the and look at at, at um, my buddy because I know he's going to stab me in the back, and there's like, no, I'm not. And then of course I turned around and the guy who was going to stab me in the back, I'm now not facing and he stabbed me in the back
0: but you know <laughs> that, that that sounds like that video game that all the kids are playing now with these little weirdos and suits i have no idea what the game's called uh, the the sum of us or something like that uh where there's this group of people and there's one who's just trying yes. to murder the lot of them
1: <laughs> yeah well you know anyway so that was that, I don't know that game either but but yes, that's essentially my my the way we started playing Dungeons and dragons back in the what would have been the uh or late seventies early eighties
0: because yeah, they wouldn't have had the the library of source material that we have today is that correct?
1: Not as much no, 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 by all means no, I mean, it was first edition d and d there were three books and you you went with that, right. For the, for the
0: uh, and, and those three books would have been the Dungeons Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster Manual, correct?
1: Yeah, pretty much. That was it. Oh, wow. I still have those for my, my first set. My mom worked at a library at, and for many years, and what I did was I – I, uh, if you ever saw, like, libraries, they can treat their hardcover books with special uh, – they put a cover on them and what have you so that it makes sure they last. So I did yeah. that. Yeah. I did that one night at the library. And so my hardcover books from the 80s are still intact.
0: Oh, that that would be a collector's item and a half. That would. Yeah, those a kind of fun. So, so what when you went back in the day? So first edition D and D. What kind of character would you? What would your go-to character be?
1: Uh, my go-to character at the time was a ranger.
0: Okay. A bit of ranger. Uh, and, and 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 your alignment would be. I'm chaotic assuming... neutral
1: or chaotic neutral was the typical thing i did and then over time i switched out the chaotic good but one of those
0: two chaotic chaotic yes <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, that, like, uh, it's funny at the moment i'm playing a lawful neutral monk that sounds uh. a lot like taiko waikiki who's the uh, the guy who does the voice of corg in the new thor movie
1: yes yes uh,
0: <laughs> And so uh, I I'm fine the neutral side are re- really it's really difficult to to navigate neutral. I'm thinking chaotic could be a bit of fun. Uh, well, that chaotic
1: makes it a lot of fun because you just basically go, uh, you every once in a while just do something completely orthogonal to everything that's been going on, just for fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that would make everyone be like, oh no, what's he going to do now? What's he going to well, do? Well,
1: yeah, now? pretty much. And and remember, this was the era when we were all stabbing each other in the back too so
0: it was you know it fit Uh, it would have fit really well so fast forward so that was so that was 70s 80s early 90s what games were you playing say 91 92
1: oh well so the the challenge with 91 92 is that's when my children were born so I ended up not playing very much at the time but Mm. but what I did manage to do was uh, I was still playing some some role playing and we had a group of folks. I finished a room in the basement of my house, and we'd have a monthly gaming session where we were playing. Probably at that time, we were probably playing World in Flames, which, if you're not, from, which is by a group which actually is relatively close to you, the Australian design group, and uh, it's a was a strategic simulation of World War II.
0: Okay, a, I've never I've never heard of that game before ever. World in Flames. Uh,
1: yeah, it's, it's, they came up with five or six different editions of it, and I think I have all of them.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to find that out, because World War II wargaming is something that's quite big in the area that, I, that we live. We started with Flames of War, and we've m- sort of moved away from that to bolt action. Uh, mm-hmm. Saying that, though, we've got a, uh, one of our uh, regulars in our gaming group, he's pretty keen to give... Um, world of uh sorry uh flames of war team yankee a bit of a go but he wants to do it with six mil scale minis which funnily enough i have a surplus of (laughs) there you go i know (laughs) so it's 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 interesting to see like all the differences within the groups and how how everyone plays certain things uh so and on that too, with, with you saying that like 91, 92 is when your kids are born and you sort of slowed up with your gaming, I, I feel, it makes me feel like a really bad father because, <laughs> uh, because, and I say this with a bit of a, so I moved to the area that I live in about 10 years ago and my seven-year-old, uh, who's identical to me nearly every way, Uh, he was born, as I said, born seven years ago. So I've been living in the era for a few years and me and a a, a really close mate of mine, uh, that's when we met and we discovered that we both enjoyed wargaming. And so we just start, we decided to try and start a local gaming group. Our inaugural meeting happened four days after my son was born, my first. (laughs) (laughs) So it went from painting to,
1: and she was, more or less the kid was, of course, sleeping through the night at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. we'll leave it there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also around that time that I uh, got involved with Wargaming Recon. Oh, no, uh, so so that's all, all. all... It's amazing just how everything can evolve. So continuing with your evolution, so you've gone... So role-playing games through the 70s, 80s, uh, light 90s, are we still role playing?
1: Yeah, we were still role playing. Actually, the, we probably were. I was probably GMing more than playing. Actually, in that era, uh, the convention at which that I mentioned that I met Jonathan at was is something called Total Confusion. It runs here in Massachusetts. It's uh, one of the larger regional conventions you'll encounter. And for many years, we ran a It's called a living world where you go to a convention, you'd run your characters, you'd collect your loot. You could then rerun the characters with the loot in the next year, the next year, the next year. Right. So you'd have lots of times to to grow and and love that that character. Uh, Mm. There were five or six of us that were the core authors for that. Particular thing, and I was one of those and we we did that and gosh, we did that for probably 10 to 15 years around you know centered around that late uh 90s 2000s and it finally died not too long ago but that's because things like pathfinder society and things took off and actually were useful which they they weren't
0: so so explain pathfinder uh, society to me because so a bit of a uh disclaimer for myself I've only been playing D&D since my birthday two years ago. Ah. And, and it's just the same group, and it's the first RPG I've ever been involved with. So I, that's where I'm – my level of knowledge with that is there, and on the other side of it is uh, the terrain building and the chara- and, and physical character creation. So you 3D printing is 3D sculpting. Yep. yep. So, so that's my main sp- – expertise when it comes to rpg so Pathfinder, um yeah explain that to me well so i'm not a, an expert
1: in it by any means but mm-hmm. the idea is is that well let me back up a little bit so d and the dungeons and dragons went through first edition second edition third edition 3.5 blah 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 right yes when four O came out, there was a group of people said, Nope, but we like the concepts of three, we're gonna stay with that, or three five rather, and we're gonna more or less stay with that. And they came out with Pathfinder as a, a separate role playing system. Yep. And Pathfinder Society is basically a set of it's that same thing I described. It's it's a living set of campaigns where you you can run a character at one convention, you can then run it at another convention. Your character hat, you know, can progress, and you collect stuff, and just like you would do, except it, as opposed to what you just described, where it's your group of friends and you're doing it together, you could bring those characters to new conventions. You can bring them and run them lots of different ways, and they, they, you know, I forget what they tap out at. There's a limit to levels and what have you, but it's a really kind of a cool thing because you can, like anything, right? You, you collect your character, you collect the stuff. They become more, they become better. You could run them through higher level modules, et cetera, et cetera. And so Pathfinder Society is just a group that does that now here in the U.S. I don't know whether it's worldwide. Frankly, I don't know that much about how far they are. But at the conventions I go to, they're always well represented. And there's a fair amount of the role playing that happens there. There's also a fair amount of other. Role playing type things, societies like that, that have run around, that are have sprung up in the last few years that have been very successful at maintaining and staying around. Whereas when we started the thing I was mentioning for Total Confusion, there really wasn't anything. And, and the idea of being able to have a character that lasted more than one session was 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 kind of unique and kind of cool. But now there's lots of that.
0: Pathfinder Society yeah. happens to be the one that that's that I'm the most familiar with. So I, I really like that idea of being able to have something that's so uh, continual and linear. Where there's growth, because it t- to me, that makes the game more personal and there's more attachment to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's something that that wasn't one of the reasons I think it, it had a hard time getting started. You know, 10, 15, 20 years ago was it was hard to do that. Whereas today, and this is sort of my retro, one of the things I think about in retrospective over the time I've been gaming is, is that the way you think about this, it's, it's relatively easy now for me or anybody in this case, Pathfinder Society to have a database where they keep track of all this stuff. And it's not labor intensive I mean, it's probably labor intensive for somebody, but it's not terribly labor intensive. You know, that the GM says it was this character with this person, with this name and, and it gets entered in and, and you you have a way of validating that somebody doesn't just show up with this super powered character. You, you know, that, yeah. that they can say, yes, you in fact did do this. Here are the modules you ran through. Here are the GMs that did it. Here's the 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 loot that you got. And it's relatively straightforward, right? The the you know the ability to build a community like that now is is you can just do it. Whereas gosh, even as recently as probably 10 years ago that was really hard.
0: Yeah, well, if you think about it, uh, so for me, when I look back, I I started gaming uh, was it two thousand and two, two thousand and three. You're making me feel old again, Josh. You know that, right? yeah. Yeah, um, but I, to me, I'm <laughs> when I go back there, I'm like, man, I'm still in like grade grade eight, grade nine. So. Um, and, and for me, it was the, the biggest thing that I ever saw up until recently was when Games Workshop did the Eye of Terror campaign where every game counted to the expansion of the story, mm. which I thought was a fantastic idea. That would be so cool. And then like at the end of it, you got to see how... So the so for me the main focus was Tau, because Tau was the army that I really enjoyed and they their empire expanded there was a conclave that sort of split off it was really cool uh, and then then I then you had the Lord of the Rings stuff come out and which was semi RPG in a way but not as like again with a group of friends here's where Aragorn's at here's where Frodo's at da 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 da. And then nothing, <laughs> absolute zip, until last year when Indomitus came out for 40k, and they were talking about the this way of being able to continue a campaign and have everything linked up, so when you play someone else, it'll continue your story. Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's taken off as much as Games Workshop has hoped yet. Uh, it's new game that my my group starting to really want to play more of, which is Kings of War Vanguard, uh, which connects in with another game, uh, which is Kings of War, their their baseline game. And so there's uh, this in continuity adds the RPG, and now they've got this online uh, remnant where they can actually record things, which happens in games, which stops. Uh, again, what you were saying, these people saying, oh yeah, no, I played this game and I I won seven nil and yeah right exactly
1: there's there's the ability to check up on you right i mean i started i i played some play by mail like snail mail games back in the 80s and even those had the heart it was hard to do because the only way of communicating was to send a a letter right
0: yeah well that's it
1: (laughs) (laughs) and now you can do that same thing via email and or you just you may even have a place where someone can log on to. And this, this is not even talking yeah. about Vassal and the ability to play live. I'm about to start a, I think we're calling it a tournament. I'm not sure of, of, it's an old school game, Panzer Blitz, but we're going to play it on Vassal where we're going to have a tournament of, I think there's 16 of us that are going to, going to basically play some, some live games, but using an electronic media to do oh, it. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. And that's so in, be just kind of great in, fun. So is Vassal the, uh, like the simulator that you use? Is that what that is?
1: Yeah, so Vassal's an online gaming. There's, there's, gosh, there's probably several hundred, if not a thousand plus games that are in Vassal these days. So if you wanted to play, I'm going to play Panzer Blitz. Now, Panzer Blitz has now been around. Panzer Blitz is now 50 years old? Is it? No, it's 40 years old, because the 40th anniversary was last year. It came out in 72, or okay. s- something like that. 72 be wrong. Anyway, it, it's about 40 years old. Yeah. And it, it essentially allows you to have whatever map you're using And whatever units you're using on that map, and you just push them around electronically and then email files back and forth. So I've played. um, What have I played on that? I played uh, Advanced Third Reich and I played a World at War and something else that just escaped me right now. But, you know, it's essentially via email, right? You don't have to. You don't have to wait five days for your letter to go back. You're not using the stock tables i don't you, you don't remember this at all i'm sure but it used to be when you played by mail to to validate your dice rolls you used you pick stocks and the last digit of the stock was your 10 digit was your your d10 roll that was the way they uh,
0: did that uh, uh, <laughs> so disclaimer on that one uh, the only thing i ever played via a mail medium so it was an email it was a game of chess <laughs> <laughs> there you, and, you don't have any dice rolls on that solves that problem exactly but I, I do like that idea of picking a stock uh, so uh would that be so you'd say oh, i'm going to pick say amc at and the last digit of that at the uh, close the volume of business on, you, yeah you on picked the volume. day
1: you picked a yeah. day and you you picked a stock and you said that's the die roll and it was the last digit of the volume now is that was that you know was that purely random you know it was probably pretty mm. good
0: if you picked a highly volatile stock, maybe.
1: Yeah, exactly. You tried to pick the big ones, right? You weren't trying to pick something that was weird, but anyway, that's just yeah, very I, different. I,
0: no, but I, I do like that because I think it's funny now. Like, again, moving forward to the future, like to the future, to the present day, uh, where the the culture within, oh, I don't, I, I don't want to say within geek culture. I think it's the only way you can do it. It's like the the Reddit culture. You've got gamers who tabletop game. Uh, so, for argument's sake, there is a Curse of Strahd subreddit that I'm a part of. That's for DMS. That I that I do a bunch of stuff there, and I know there is a bunch of people on there who are also on uh, subreddits like Wall Street Super Superstock, mm-hmm. AMC Stock, and they're heavily involved in that. Did, did you notice, say, like in your in your time of gaming, where there would be this sort of cross culture uh, mingling? Uh, I don't know what you would have had in the 70s or 80s to to compare it to, but but do you, you know where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah, so th- that's actually one of the, th- the areas. There's three areas that I think about. It, things have changed, and what you just described is the community is definitely different than it was. Yeah. because of the ability to communicate quickly like that. So if, if you were, you, you would have no way of really knowing, right? So if there was somebody who was doing something like that, it wasn't, it wasn't clear, right? Because there was no, it was, it was, communication was hard enough that you didn't spend the time with the extra stuff. yeah. Right? So you didn't get, you get, didn't really learn that someone else was doing the, and you weren't day trading that anyway. That's only that's a relatively new phenomenon anyway. But it just was a, yeah. a much more segregated environment. Whereas today you you've got everything you everything you mentioned Reddit and I've even worked with I worked with some folks in the mid 90s as they were trying to publish a game and there was like I don't know half dozen half dozen ten of us that were working on sort of the rules and trying to make it all work. And today you would do that. You know, in a live forum on something like Board Game Geek or something, and you'd end up with dozens of people reviewing, dozens if not hundreds of people reviewing your rules and giving you ideas and and making it a better game. So.
0: Well, yeah, well that's it. Then then the next step from there would be to put it on Kickstarter or something like. Yeah,
1: well, that. well exactly, and that's what happens, right? So I I think of a couple of different games that have been that have been thought of and ideated and, and germinated. And then either they put it on Kickstarter or they had enough of a following that they just could get somebody to publish it, whether it's a P 500
0: something or just publish it. Yeah. See that, that that's it. That's all fascinating to me is just how, cause I, I it's actually funny. I was watching a movie with my son not long ago and the movie that was made in early mid nineties. And he's like, dad, how come they, not using like how come they're going into a box to call someone uh, and I'm just and I just look and went that, that's right son you have no idea what's going on here do you and there to me I'm like I grew up in an era where the internet was available to advertise but crowdfunding wasn't there uh, mm-hmm. board game geek wasn't really around or if it was it was just to really review games and that was the extent of it and. Like now, it's incredible just to see because of the tools and the communication uh, that we have, the amazing ideas that are coming out just for Uh, board games is
1: incredible. So that was driven home to me a couple of years ago. I was at – I don't remember which con I was at, but I was at a convention, and I, I was walking through the board game room, and I came across a game, and I think it was called Salmon Run, as in the fish salmon. Yeah. And you were trying to be a salmon swimming upstream to spawn that was the premise of the game, right? And there were fishermen that you had to dodge and there were bears trying to eat you. And there was a dam and, and it was, you know, very beautifully made. And it was a tile placement game, right? You built the river that you had to to run up. And I found myself thinking sort of where you were just there is you would have never got that game produced 10, 15 years ago. It just, you couldn't because who's what a game executive is going to go. This sounds like a good idea. We're going to, we're going to produce a game about fish and your videos
0: on, I think. Yeah. No, I just, <laughs> um, I dropped my device. Oops. <laughs> and I'm going to keep this in the edit. <laughs> well, that's okay. Hey, technology is an interesting thing. Well, that's it. It's funny because uh, every now and then I get a, um, like, I'll be editing a show for John and then he'll go, uh, Oh, Josh, can you just edit this part out? Like he'll actually say that. I'm like, I could be a real mean
1: person and just leave it and <laughs> just come up, come up with a just uh, you know over Go, sorry, living in.
0: <laughs> I, I've done that. I've done something similar to that. I can't remember what it was. He said, "Oh, Josh can make me sound good," and I've just gone, "Yeah, good. Yeah, not happening." <laughs> 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 just let it go. Um. So So salmon run. Uh. Yeah. Interesting premise. I, I, I've actually seen a copy of that at my friendly local gaming store.
1: Oh, it, it, you know, I don't own it, but I just this the mm. point was only just, wow, that's such a cool idea that. You know, back when I started or even 10, you know, even in the 80s or even 90s, that would have never been made. Right. There's no it, or if it was, it was somebody who would have been hand coloring the maps, you know, the pieces or something. There wouldn't have been this this really polished artwork and really polished content. And to me that's that's actually the one of the things that I find the most interesting is the game the the, the games themselves have moved beyond very realistic miniature type thing. So the original mini rules and things like that, if you played some of the naval games in the era, it was you had to figure out, okay, it's a 16-inch gun, it fires a shell that weighs 28 pounds. It has, you know, and you did all this math to come up with the weight of fire that you were putting down range and then to figure out if you hit something. And you compare that with something like Axis and Allies today, the Axis and Allies mini games. And you're like, yeah,
0: I'm just rolling D6s until I get a bunch of bunch of sixes. <laughs> yeah, see <so> I <laughs> This is funny because I – so the main game that I play is Star Wars Legion, and obviously I play the good guys, the Imperials, and they have a, a unit which is attached to their shore troopers, which is a, a mortar, and I lose it every time because, it, the like, I, I get upset <laughs> because the way that the rules work for Star Wars Legion is line of sight, and if you can see it, you can roll. You can hit it. And if there's something in the way, it provides cover, mm-hmm. uh, either light or heavy. And in my mind, my a mortar, it should arc. Henceforth, no cover. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, it, no. it depends on the game system, right? I'm just gonna say that yeah. Josh is that the yeah, game yeah. system. <laughs> uh, the the well, so like I have played games with mortars that will actually figure out based on what you're doing. Uh, it, it increases or decreases, but there's the, there's the really what it highlights, I think is the difference between realism and playability. And there's a, (laughs) there's a a continuum there. Right. And I guess all I'm trying to articulate is when I started playing, things were well on the realism side of that continuum. You had to do math, you had to do lots of stuff. And I would suggest now a lot of the games created are much more on the playability side.
0: Yes, no, that you, you're really, really correct in that because, so for argument's sake, when I was getting into World War II, so Flames of War being the first game that I dipped my toe in, it, it went from being, so coming from, say, something like Lord of the Rings, which is a complete source book, you know exactly what colour things are, you know exactly mm-hmm. what you're playing, you know what the rules are, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a World War II army. And that is your first stumbling block, is going, okay, uh, uh, Americans, okay, uh, what theatre of war, okay, Europe, okay, what part, mid, later, early, I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then and then working out what to paint them, then what the rules were, because then you could have an early mortar team with the same weapon, then the late mortar team, but different rules altogether, mm-hmm. and it's, and it, again, the, the realism's there, but the confusion was... Like for a new game, incre- like that's why I think back in the day when you saw people playing Flames of War, they were usually men in their 50s, not men my age. Yeah, it, yeah, that, it, and,
1: it, yep. And that's an observation too is that when I started playing, it was, and I, all of our listeners, nobody take this the wrong way, but when I started playing, it was mostly men in almost yeah. every room. And now, if you walk into a convention, you walk around a board game room. Gosh, I don't know if it's 50/50 yet, but it's pretty close.
0: Well, no, no, that's exactly right. Uh, we've uh, it's especially here in Australia. There, are, in the RPG scene mainly, mm. there's a lot more women playing, which is fantastic to see. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know why it's it's get it's slow to catch up when it comes to miniature gaming, but. Again, it's not. I don't think it's because they've been forced out. I think it's more of a that oh, yeah, they don't want to do it. If you know what I mean, like. I, I well, my
1: observation is most of the, the the female gamers tend to be more on that continuum I was talking about. They tend to be more on the playability side rather than the yeah the realism side. And and miniatures tends to be more on the realism side for... Except, just yeah, if, except Sadow's Legion. Yeah, well, <laughs> except maybe that. But if you're painting, you know, if you're painting a bunch of Prussians, you're on the realism side, right? I've, I have a, oh, a friend yeah. who can look at a miniature and, and go, okay, I know what year, roughly, plus or minus, you know, a couple decades, that, that, that army was, and I can tell you pretty
0: much what they were armed with. <laughs> so that to me that, is, that That, to me, is, is incredibly crazy, is knowing... All right, so that person there, those pants, no, he was not at Lexington. He was at Charlestown. Yeah, It's it's incredible to see the the that actually big diverse change within gaming. Where, mm-hmm. I, in fact, I, I remember that at the last convention that I was at. So uh, we were playing a game, Star Wars Legion, in a room with about fifteen other different gaming uh, systems, mm-hmm. and. We're all pretty, you know, you can hear, like, chatter in the room. Everyone's happy. Next minute you hear these bunch of idiots going, wog And you're like, oh, there's 40K players. They're coming <laughs> in the pretty house. Much, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, it's, it's interesting seeing like that difference in, um, in how people go to things. So what is on your gaming table now? like if you were if you're playing a game this weekend what would it be am i playing with my family or am i playing with somebody
1: else cuz i've been lately playing a lot with my family uh like mm. you know i my, my adult children right so um yeah the last time we played a game with them we played a game called unknown yeah it's relatively new it's a it's a this exploring game you're here the, the premise is you're a group of survivors after a holocaust and you're, it's a you know you're building a a world and you're trying to kill the monsters and not be killed so we we played we played some of that um actually oddly enough i have a very old school one actually on my gaming table downstairs right now called flat top it's uh carrier uh, carrier wars in the 42 43 pacific theater that i was playing with a buddy the other day we were sort of experimenting with that but more of the the sort of the family fun type stuff so ticket to ride i played a bunch of that with with my my wife actually played ticket to ride and likes it so we're that's a that's a win because she won't ever get (laughs) the cardboard counters on maps but but she liked ticket to ride so i'm like all right so now we have I think three different for how many I'll turn around and look at my gaming shelf. We have two or three different versions of that game now.
0: See, my wife's really funny with that. She is not a gamer in any sense of the word yet. She will buy any board game she sees at a thrift shop. Any. Now hmm. uh, and I'll look at her, are you gonna play that with me? And she's like, Probably not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, why are we getting it then? Because I'm not gonna play it. <laughs> um but it's it, it, I I love it when there is a win <laughs> when you can get your significant other to join in your hobby.
1: Well, yeah, for sure. And the one that she that's kind of funny. So years ago, we played a game called Merchant of Venus. It's been reissued recently, but basically, she and I played it once, probably 20 years ago, and she soundly thrashed me. And when we finished, she's like, "It was shopping. Of course, I did well." <laughs> Uh, which if you look at if you're familiar with the game that's essentially it you're you're a trader and you make trades and it's oh it's shopping okay no wonder
0: you did well see i the the last game i was able to get my wife to play with me was uh using the open fire starter set for flames of war it was six years ago (laughs) she won and she goes since i won i never have to play another game again like okay fine <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I get that. <laughs> so, so, but good. uh In the other side of it though, she has painted with me a number of times, which is really good. Like she's quite artistic, and and, and it's funny though because I'll be painting in a way because well, I've been painting's my f- probably my favourite part of the hobby actually is painting miniatures, and so <clears throat> been doing it for decades, and she's really good at coming up she goes well, why are you doing it like that and i said because that's just how the paint behaves on the model and she's oh i wouldn't have done it like that <laughs> the paint wouldn't stick to the models then and so they get all these really nice little uh pieces of advice that don't really work that don't really help life. right yeah i hear yeah you. uh all right so rpgs uh board games were you ever into tabletop miniature games
1: not as so so i unlike you i'm not i don't have the patience or i hand eye coordination to paint okay so my my late brother-in-law however was awesome at it so i have quite a quite a few from him Uh, when he passed he built a car wars arena so which basically if you're familiar with car wars normal of the size he took matchbox cars and mounted them on squares and built a multi-level arena with ramps and jumps and various other things and i run that now at conventions so i do i do i don't i don't own so that's that's the minis that i own but I'll, i'll sit and i'll play miniature games like what did i play uh it's kind of a combination rpg miniature game um uh, Pulp Alley, I think it's called. Okay. Which is, you know, the the hero is is damn near impossible to kill, and all of his sidekicks die off him instantly. <laughs> it's one of those where <laughs> it's just it's great fun, but it don't take it seriously at all.
0: No, that's it's it's because it's interesting because in Australia we don't have the the variety of games that. The, say Europe or the United States do uh, like so things like like what you just mentioned uh, like uh, car wars and uh, so Pulp Arena uh, we wouldn't that would not be a common game here at all mm. like you wouldn't you would you would be hard to find a community that plays it regularly uh, even even large games like uh, uh, Dead Zone, um, Infinity, oh, wow. uh, uh, Red, not Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption's a video game. There's a, a ca- uh, it was a Western one and I've just, um, Wild West Exodus, that's what it's called. So my, we're all aware of the games, they're just not here. Uh, it, uh, that's, and that's where
1: You need to fire up Vassal or some of the other online systems and, and play them that way.
0: Oh yeah, no, 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 no. no. That is something I, I am not opposed to doing at all. <laughs> uh, but what I'm what I'm getting at is like when, even when you go to conventions, you'll see the miniatures so but you don't see the games being played. Oh, I see. Uh So which I think again is a very different culture to here in Australia than versus the United States, and which is funnily enough we're the probably the most laid back out of the lot and hmm. no, offend, no offense no <laughs> offense americans no, no
1: i'll take that in stride i've done my you know diversity training on various behaviors that are appropriate in different cultures
0: oh yeah cuz uh, it's pretty much everything's appropriate you. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i i always get messages from from john uh, saying thing like, it'll, it'll be a picture of something happening over here in Australia and goes, is this legit happening? And it was – one of the ones was a, a snake eating a crocodile. And I saw like, yeah, that not long ago. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> 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 um, and we've got – like, I've had snakes in my backyard. I've had kangaroos in my backyard. I've been swept by magpies. And, like, it, all the things that you guys think of as really bad over here, yeah, it happens. <laughs> and I think you need to be relaxed to go through it. So it, that brings me back to when you're at a convention, what is the mentality like at a convention? Like when, when people are playing.
1: Oh gosh. I think it's pretty relaxed. I mean, you know, everybody's playing to have, I mean, I think the primary thing is people there to have fun. Yes. They're trying to win the game, yeah, but They're trying to enjoy the experience as much as anything else. Now, admittedly, most of the games I play, there is what we have euphemistically calls the strut and pose phase that occurs, essentially trash talk.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the entire game.
1: You know, yeah so. exactly right <laughs> you know it's exactly right and so so there's an element of that but i but i would suggest that it's mostly in good fun right i think yeah I've, I've only occasionally run into people who take it a little too far yeah but most of the time it's done it's in good fun right and and the 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 time is spent to enjoy the the game mm, enjoy yeah. the company and i think yep. you know i don't know what it'll be like at this next con but i think there'll be just a I know myself, I'll be just grateful to be back doing it live with people at a table as opposed to thinking about it or the online, although I do enjoy the online playing. It's just not the same, right? It's
0: just not. No, it's not. And I, guess it, I, I I really agree with that. So one of the things that my D&D group do in between face-to-face meetups is we do two or three uh um sessions using uh, roll20 mm-hmm. and we use discord for our audio and i spend 90% of the session finding memes or gifs to post into the group chat just to because i'm bored <laughs> because yeah, i'm not right. there interacting with people right and and, and That's something I really, really missed when we went through the first phase of COVID lockdown, which we weren't we were we were lucky here in Australia where I don't even think we hit one percent of the cases that you guys had. Yeah. We had some we had
1: some depending on where you were, the US had some spectacular hotspots, that's for sure.
0: Mm, but that led to the lockdowns that you had that were that lasted a lot longer than what we've experienced in fact at the moment, so the state that I live in the capital has been experiencing this is this is gonna make you laugh. We've had thirty three cases in the past twenty four hours and it's been in between twenty and oh sorry fifteen and thirty five for the past two weeks the city of sydney is in lockdown all of new south wales which is the state uh, have mandatory masks when going into shops and that's and it's that's what that is because of 30 cases a day
1: yeah it's a
0: <laughs>
1: that is a lower number than what we've hit for sure
0: oh yes we, we get your numbers Senate. because it's funny because our media will do weird things and they'll say oh, skyrocketing. There's been two cases over <laughs> here. And then they'll say the same thing for the States. Like skyrocketing there has been 15,000 cases yeah. it's in one town. Right? It, it's, it's, it, it's, I, I find it interesting and and just seeing the differences in, in the countries that are in, in many ways also quite alike because, I, I actually sat down uh, the other day and did, again, percentage uh, statistics. There is a uh, – in gaming, percentage versus population is almost identical in number. What do you mean? Uh, so there was a statistical thing that ca- came out for university students, uh, I think it was 2018, 2017, and they were did the population of students on on what their social groups would be. So they did a, a lot for they did a lot for uh, Australia, did a lot for Hong Kong, a, a lot for England, and a lot for United States, Canada. They locked them into two. And it was interesting, America and Australia. If you put all the population of university students, so first to fourth, mm-hmm. first year to to four year, twenty seven percent continually play a tabletop game whether it be a board game, tabletop board game, RPG. And that America and, and Australia are the exact same percentage. 27%. Cool. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. I'll have to find that. I'm going to have to get that source out and put in it in the notes for this show so people do not call me a liar.
1: Yeah, somebody's going to call you out on that for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll probably say, but you forgot um, something else. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, what have been the biggest changes that you've seen? Actually, I'll, I'll narrow down the question for you. What have been the biggest two positive changes in the game in the gaming scene? And then after that, the two most negative changes that you've seen in the gaming scene? Uh, so the two
1: most positive changes, I think we've touched on one of them already. It's the community that's yep. being able to be built now. So the, you know, I can, I was, not too long ago i was playing an online game with somebody in sweden and what was kind of funny was the we were playing a world war ii game and he i said well where do you live and he gave me the the hex number of the, of the board that's <laughs> where his house was right so but the idea that you can build a community and we've sort of touched on that that's that's probably the the one very positive that's the one positive change and the second one is oh, we've also touched on, right? Is the explosion of new and interesting titles, right? Salmon Run yep. was the example I gave. Um, you know, there's there's a little bit of bad with that because sometimes you get something where you think you look at it on Kickstarter, it looks good, you actually buy it, you're like, oh, this is actually kind of sucks <laughs> yep
0: yep been there, but but, been there. but
1: but the but the ability to do that right the the just the explosion of interesting ideas and concepts and and new and and things that you can just try and someone says this would be kind of fun to make a game about and if they do it well it, it's really cool so that's probably the the two best and then you ask for the two worst or the yes. two most yeah. negative <laughs> Uh, so the one thing that I struggle with, and it's, it's, it's kind of a funky one, but if you look at the, the RPG space, the role-playing space, it's the, the need to generate new revenue, which means I need to put out a new gaming system about every three to four years. Yep. And, and so you now are, what are, I don't, I don't even know what we're up to fifth or sixth edition of the official Dungeons and Dragons. I stopped. Uh,
0: it's, it's it's fifth edition. And I yeah. think now, and I, but it's been a, a while though. I don't even think they're well, talking
1: but, about a but new edition. They are definitely talking about it because I heard somebody chatting about it
0: not too oh, long that's ago. Sca- it, that scares me. That scares me. <laughs> well, but it,
1: So my point is only is that it's the, it's the nobody's really figured out in role-playing how to make money without changing and making everybody do a whole new set of source books. And, and frankly, I just stopped buying source books. I just, I'm like, you know what? And this is kind of why I don't do much RPG stuff and a role playing games anymore, much anymore, mm-hmm. because I'm just like, I already have, uh, I don't actually, I have to look, I have a list somewhere of all my games, but I probably have several dozen different systems. Yeah. In my- Room, right and and to, and to say hey let's go learn a new system you know it's not even the expense i mean i'm at a point in my profession that that the expense isn't i mean it's a big deal but it's not like oh my gosh i can't do it i can i can make that choice but the it's the
0: it's a thousand pages to read yes yeah. <laughs> it's it, the ease of entering is not there Right.
1: And so I'm just like,
0: oh, gosh.
1: Anyway, I get why they have to make money. Um, So that's that's probably the one. Is there other is there another negative that I can think of? Uh, Well. The only other negative I can think of really isn't a gaming thing, but it's the what I've what what as part of that community that we we talked about where you can you can do. There's a set of trolls and and you have to just learn to understand don't feed the trolls
0: yeah no i I think that that is a big thing and that's more of a social construct these days than anything else
1: right it's that's, everywhere it's not just yeah. game right and so that's why i was a little struggling with it but i have um mm. so for example there's at least one game thread that i was on on board game geek that just went sideways yeah started trolling it and i'm just like oh that's so unfortunate
0: and and I I've actually seen that happen with a number of like like gaming Reddit's, uh, okay. even a local notice board on Facebook that's meant to be a community notice board has just turned into this ridiculous landmine filled bed of rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you and just have to say one thing and then it's boom. Yeah,
1: and it, as you point out, that's a that's really not endemic to the gaming and it's endemic to everything right these days and so it's it's part of the i guess the price of having the that vibrant community that i was mentioning that's it
0: that's it well thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to have a have a chat with us at wargaming recon well it's been a really good chat actually i've really enjoyed it I have three more questions for you to close off our show.
1: All right. Well, I've enjoyed it. So hopefully these aren't the stumpers.
0: Oh, these are, these are beautiful ones. So, so this is a bit, a bit of a carryover. John doesn't do this. I do this with every show that I host. It's a carryover from a show that I used to work for in Hobart. I worked in radio and this is, we asked this of every single person that we had on our show. Okay. so one of them uh, uh, alluded to a thing between me and my co-host Ben. Uh, so for this instance, I'll be saying me or Jonathan. So let's have a go. So the first one: growing up, what was the uh, the who was the poster on the wall of Bob Yates? Like, what was that crush?
1: <laughs> uh, it probably would have been from a gaming perspective advanced third reich or maybe even just third reich the game because i had that set up in my attic for oh wow
0: probably 10 you know at least five years growing up that's cool i like that that makes me that makes me smile actually so second one what's your favorite kind of cheese flurry's truffle I'm gonna to have to research that one. I've never heard of it.
1: Look it up. It's so there's a so there's a there's a place out of New York City called uh, Murray's Cheese, and it's one yeah. of their specialties.
0: All right, I'll I'll do that. I'll do that. And the second and the last one. This one this one's a stumper to close off the show. Who's more attractive, myself or Jonathan?
1: Oh man. Well, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with I'm hopelessly heterosexual. So from my perspective, neither.
0: <laughs> Love it! Thanks so much, Bob, for coming on. That's uh, that's made my day. It's, uh, it's been my pleasure, Josh. And, and definitely don't be a stranger. And thanks so much to everyone who's taken the time out of the day to listen to us uh, waffle on about gaming through the decades. you uh, Can definitely find more about all of the all of what was spoken about in the show notes. And uh, as Jonathan would say, you have to, you need to, you've got to keep on gaming
2: are you always on the go why not take wargaming recon with you if you use an app like pocket casts you can listen to your favorite episodes of wargaming recon on your mobile device wargaming recon is a proud member of the tsr podcast network visit wargamingrecon.com slash tsrpn For more information and to learn about the other good shows on the network, this recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial Share Alike license. Many thanks to Andrew and Court for inspiring the show's name. Wargaming Recon is dedicated to the memory of longtime listener Andrew. I ask all listeners to join me in a moment of silence in memory of Andrew. Thank you to everyone who backed our 2021 podcast season on Kickstarter. In particular, we'd like to thank 3DDZYN at 3DDesign.com, Nate Taylor of Dwarven Forge, and Things from the Basement, where you can get highly detailed laser-cut terrain kits for 28, 20, and 15mm figures and other exciting products. We couldn't have been successful without the help of all of you. Thank you so much for your support and being part of our community. We hope you are enjoying the 2021 season.